Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. Psalm chapter 68. I'm going to have you remain seated tonight because we have a a lengthier passage to read. And so we're going to read the entire chapter together. And so uh, we'll start in verse 1 and go down to verse number 35. The Bible says, Let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. Let them also that hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melteth before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. But let the righteous be glad, let them rejoice before God, yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. Sing unto God, sing praises to His name, extol Him that rideth upon the heavens by His name, uh, Jah. That's short uh, for Jehovah, it's the only time it's abbreviated uh, in the Bible, but that's short for Jehovah, and it says, and rejoice before Him. We now have some characteristics of God. He is a, a father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in His holy habitation. God setteth the solitary in families. He bringeth out those which are bound with chains, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. O God, when Thou wentest forth before Thy people, when Thou didst march through the wilderness, Selah, the earth shook. The heavens also dropped at the presence of God. Even Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God, the God of Israel. Thou, O God, didst send a plentiful rain whereby thou didst uh, confirm thine inheritance when it was weary. Thy congregation hath dwelt therein. Thou, O God, hast prepared of thy goodness for the poor. The Lord gave the word. Great was the company of those that published it. Kings of armies did flee apace, and she that tarried at home divided the spoil. Though ye have leaned among the pots, yet shall ye be as the wings of a dove, covered with silver and her feathers with yellow gold. When the Almighty scattered kings in it, it was as white as snow and salmon. And the hill of God is as the hill of Bashan, and the high hill as the hill of Bashan. It says, Why leap ye, high hills? This is the hill which God desireth to dwell in. Yea, the Lord will dwell in it forever. This is speaking of Mount Zion. The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them as in Sinai in the holy place. Thou hast ascended on high. Thou hast led captivity captive. Thou hast received gifts for men. Yea, for the rebellious also, the Lord God might dwell among them. Verse 19, we're going to spend a little bit of time here tonight, and I really love this verse. Probably a pretty familiar verse to you. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, even the God of our salvation, Selah. He that is our God is the God of salvation. And unto God... The Lord belong the issues from death. But God shall wound the head of his enemies and the hairy scalp of such an one as goeth on still in his trespasses. The Lord said, I will bring again from Bashan. I will bring my people again from the depths of the sea, that thy foot may be dipped in the blood of thine enemies and the tongue of thy dogs in the same. They have seen thy goings, O God, even the goings of my God, my King in the sanctuary. The singers went before, the players on instruments followed after, Among them were the damsels playing with the timbrels. Bless ye God in the congregations, even the Lord from the foundation of Israel. There's little Benjamin with their ruler, the princes of Judah and their council, the princes of Zebulun and the princes of Naphtali. The God hath commanded thy strength. Strengthen, O God, that which thou hast wrought for us. 
Because of thy temple at Jerusalem shall kings bring presents unto thee. Rebuke the company of spearmen, the multitude of the bulls, which the calves of the people, till everyone submit himself with pieces of silver. Scatter thou the people that delight in war. Princes shall come out of Egypt. Ethiopia shall soon stretch out her hands unto God. Sing unto God, ye kingdoms of the earth. O sing praises unto the Lord Selah. To him that rideth upon the heavens of heavens, which were old, lo, he doth send out his voice, and that a mighty voice. Ascribe ye strength unto God. His excellency is over Israel, and his strength is in the clouds. O God, thou art terrible out of thy holy places. The God of Israel is he that giveth strength and power unto his people. Blessed be God. If this is your first time reading Psalms chapter 68, you might be a little confused as to what is happening, like I was when I first uh, read this psalm. But I look forward to opening uh, this chapter up with you and sharing uh, what I believe God has for us tonight. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this evening. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather together in church and to worship you. Lord, I pray that you meet with us now. I pray that we'd have open hearts ready to hear from your word. I pray that you teach us something from your word. I also ask that you help me as I preach at this time. And we ask all in Jesus' name. Amen. So this wonderful psalm is really broken down into two different sections, even though it's rather lengthy. The first half looks back uh, into Israel's past in verses 1 through 18, and the second half looks forward into the future in verses 19 through 35. And as you're reading through it, it's interesting to note that there's many parallels uh, between Psalms chapter 68 and Judges chapter 5. And so we're going to look at a few of those parallels in just a moment. But Judges chapter 5 is uh, the song of Deborah and Barak after the defeat of Sisera. And so if you find the Bible to be boring, I would challenge you to go home, read Judges chapter 4 and Judges chapter 5, because there's absolutely nothing boring in those two chapters. And so if you'll flip with me to Judges chapter 5 right now, we'll compare a few verses from our text uh, to Judges chapter 5. Psalm 68 verse 4, it says, Sing unto God, sing praises to his name, extol him that rideth upon the heavens by his name Jehovah, and rejoice before him. Look with me at uh, Judges chapter 5, verse 3. Hear, O ye kings, give ear, O ye princes. I, even I, will sing unto the Lord. I will sing praise to the Lord God of Israel. Look with me at Psalm chapter 68, verse 7 and 8. It says, O God, when thou wentest before thy people, when thou didst march through the wilderness, Selah, the earth shook, the heavens also dropped at the presence of God, even Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God. Look at verses 4 and 5. It says, O Lord, when thou wentest out of Seir, when thou marchest out of the field of Edom, the earth trembled, the heavens dropped, the clouds also dropped water, the mountains melted from before the Lord, even that Sinai from before the Lord God of Israel. Look with me at verse 12 of Psalm 68. It says, Kings and army do flee apace, and she that tarried at home defied, uh, um, divided the spoil. Judges chapter 5, uh, verse number 30, it says, Have they not sped? Have they not divided the prey to every man a damsel or two? And so they're taking the spoils uh, from the war there. Uh, Psalm chapter 68, verse uh, 13, it says, Though ye have leaned among the pots, ye shall be as the wings as a dove covered with silver and her feathers with yellow gold. Look with me at verse 18 of Judges chapter 5. It says, Zebulun and Naphtali were people that jeopardized their lives unto the death in the high places of the field. So there's your comparison with Zebulun and Naphtali with your verses uh, there in verse number 13. Look at chapter Psalm 68, verse number 18. It says, Thou hast ascended on high, 
Thou hast led captivity captive. Thou hast received gifts for men. Yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God might dwell among them. Verse number uh, uh, 12, it says, Awake, awake, Deborah. Awake, awake. Utter a song, arise, and lead thy captivity captive. Psalm chapter 68, verse number 27, it says, There is a little Benjamin and their ruler, the princes of Judah, and their council, and the princes of Zebulun, and the princes of Naphtali. Verses 14 and 18, you can read those and there your comparison. And so a lot of Psalm 68 is uh, reiterating what takes place in Judges chapter 5. They're reciting what uh, the stories have been told. And the emphasis is on God's mighty acts on behalf of Israel, which results in him dwelling on Mount Zion. When you get down to verses 14 through 16, that's what those verses are explaining, how God chooses Mount Zion. And you cannot get away from God's power shown throughout this chapter. It's even demonstrated in the names that are used for God throughout the psalm. Names like Elohim, which means the strong one, the one to be feared. Names like Jehovah, meaning I am, the self-existent one. Names like Adonai, my Lord, my Master. Shaddai, meaning the all-sufficient one. These are different names of the Lord used in Psalm chapter 68. And think about how powerful these names are. Think about how He's the strong one, the one to be feared. He's the self-existent one. He's the all-sufficient one. He doesn't need anything. God is all-powerful. And so the psalm in verses, like I said, 1 through 18, it looks back in the past, but it's also messianic in that it looks towards the future. The Apostle Paul, he quotes a verse number 18, which is also quoted in Judges uh, chapter 5. And so the Apostle Paul, he quotes it in Ephesians 4, 8, and he applies it to the ascension of Christ. Ephesians 4, 8 through 10, it says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. And he gave gifts unto men. Now that he has ascended, what is it but that he descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And so that's the third time uh, we've seen this phrase, leading captivity captive. But what exactly does that mean? Matthew Henry states, he says, that kings after a battle... You know, after a battle that they won, when they would come back into town, they would have a big parade that they would march uh, in, and, and behind them they would have all the captives uh, that they took in that battle, the ones that they didn't kill. And so they would lead the captives in, but when Christ, when Christ ascended up into heaven, when he had his parade, so to speak, he led captivity captive. There was no more chains. There was no more bondage. Captivity was done away with. So this psalm is a hymn of praise to God for all that he has done and all that he will continue to do. Which is a powerful reminder to us as believers that we should reflect on and we should praise God for what he's done in our lives in the past. And we should praise him for what he will do as well. So verses 1 through 18, I want to look at God's power in the past. The first verse is where it says, let God arise, let his enemies be scattered, let them also hate him. Uh, hate him or that hate him flee before him so this is a direct quote from numbers chapter 10 verse 35 and so what's taking place there is the children are, uh, of israel are leaving the mount of the lord and they're following the cloud uh, by day and they're carrying the ark of the covenant and it says and it came to pass when the ark was set forward moses said rise up 
Lord, and let thine enemies be scattered, and let them that hate thee flee before thee. So you could say that this is Israel's marching cry, so to speak. It gives the picture of the Lord marching on behalf of His people. It shows that He fights their battle and He, he leads them to their inheritance. The psalmist is saying, just as Moses said, he says, God, take care of your enemies and, and scatter them like the wind uh, scatters away smoke. I mean, we've all, we've all heard of the fires. We've all had a campfire before. And we've seen when a wind comes, it just takes that smoke away like it's nothing. And, God's, and he's saying, God, you take your enemies away like the wind takes smoke away. Drive them away like fire drives, drives away wax. Charles Spurgeon said, wax is hard by itself. But put it to the fire, oh, how soft it is. Wicked men are haughty till they come in contact with the Lord. And then they faint for fear. Their hearts melt like wax when they feel the power of His anger. And so God, while you're doing all of this, God, while you're taking care of my enemies and your enemies, we will rejoice over your power. We will rejoice over your might. Our God, He's a pretty great God. That's what's happening in verse 3. He says, but the light, let the righteous... Be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. But God's greatness isn't only defined by military-like triumphs. It's not about all the military victories that He gave to the children of Israel. It's also seen in His compassionate concern and care for the weak and the needy. God proves Himself by being exactly what His people need. And look with me at the list that He gives. Verse 5, He is a father to the fatherless. He's a defender of widows. He's a protector of widows. I, I love this one. God set the solitary in families. God sees those individuals who don't have a close family connection. He sees the lonely hearts and He cares for them and He provides for them with families. Maybe it's a, a widow. Maybe it's a child that's lost their parents. Maybe it's someone who's thousands of miles from their family. But God cares and He gives those in solitary family connections among His people. And I'll apply it this way. You may feel all alone in this life and you may feel uncared for. And at times you may feel unwanted. But there is a God in heaven who has given you a family here to love you and to care for you and to treat you as a son, as a daughter, as a brother, as a sister. And it's so, it's so great to be able to say I'm a part of the family of God. And in God's families, I have brothers, sisters, moms, dads, grandparents. But you also have a family here at First Baptist. Yes, we're all a part of the family of God, and if you're saved, you're a part of that big old family, but here you're a part of the First Baptist family. There's, there's unity that is found in Jesus Christ, and you might not have a, a good relationship with your parents, but you might have uh, someone here that can be a father figure or a mother figure in your life. You might, have, you might not have any siblings, but you can have some brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ where you can spend time and you can feel that family connection, and God gives those in solitary Families. Verse number 6, He bringeth out those which are bound by chains. Today we can be bound by a lot of different types of chains. 
You could be in here tonight and you could be bound by your own sin and on your way to hell, but Christ can break those chains and save your soul. You can be bound by a besetting sin. The Bible says that you can be holden by the cords of your sins and every time you commit a sin, that that cord, it just wraps further and further around you and gets more difficult to break. But Christ can break those chains and give you victory. Maybe you're bound by a chain of addiction, of greed, of self-pity, of doubt, of guilt. God is in the business of breaking chains in your life. When you arrive at verse number 7, he shifts gears from giving some characteristics of God where he says, He's the Father to the fatherless. He's a defender to the widows. He, he gives those that are lonely families. He breaks chain. Now he begins to reflect on what God has accomplished. Verse number 7, he says, O God, when thou wentest forth before thy people, when thou didst march through the wilderness, Selah. So what event is being described here? It's the wilderness wanderings. It's when the children of Israel were wandering around for 40 years. And you can see his mighty presence working on their behalf in these verses. And having introduced the idea in the first line of the psalm, the psalmist continues his thoughts on God's presence with and his care for the children of Israel as they wandered through the wilderness on their way to Canaan. And he's saying, God, you went before your people. Uh, you marched with them through the wilderness. And it emphasized the idea that God was consistently with them. He was constantly with them, that he did not abandon, uh, abandon them despite the many times they provoked him to anger. Despite the many times uh, that they messed up, and we've learned this as we've uh, gone through our study in Exodus, that they, they were messed up time and time and time again, but God proved Himself faithful to them. And so going through the wilderness wanderings, and the earth shook, right? there was earthquakes, I'm sure there was lightning all around, and, and the heavens dropped rain at His presence. And the, the reasons that the earth shook, it was to to strike fear in the hearts of their enemies, to show that the children of Israel were protected and that they were provided for, and His might was on their side, and no, no other nation could defeat them when they were walking with God. They would never suffer hunger or thirst as long as they walked in God's presence, but we know that they didn't always do that, that they didn't always obey God, so they didn't get what they needed. The verse goes on to read, that Sinai itself, Mount Sinai, this amazing mountain, was moved at the presence of God. Mighty mountains shook at His very presence. As you read further down into the text, we start talking about Mount Zion. The psalmist portrays that you have Mount Zion and you have uh, Mount Bashan and you have all these other uh, mountains around it, but it portrays these other mountains getting jealous that Zion has been picked. Look at verse 16. It says, Why leap ye, ye high hills? This is the hill which God desireth. This is the one that God has chosen. All right, so you can be jealous all you want, but God, God didn't pick you. And it's kind of humorous to think that the mountains are getting jealous. But, uh, but it, it talks about the hill of Bashan, and, and that was the one that was most jealous. It was a high, it was a beautiful mountain, but God chose the smaller, more humble mountain as his habitation. Psalm 132, verses 13 and 14. For the Lord hath chosen Zion. He hath desired it for his habitation. This is my rest forever. Here will I dwell, for I have, des for I have desired it. 
We'll, we'll talk about Mount Zion a little more just as we get to the prophetic side of it. But verse 17, it mentions His heavenly army, His chariots, His angels. It's another demonstration of His power and His might. So you see God's presence or God's power in the past and how he, he led the children through the wilderness, how He was mighty on their behalf, but you also see very briefly God's power in the present. Verse 19 and verse 20, it says, Blessed be the Lord, who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation, Selah. He that is our God is the God of salvation, and unto God the Lord belong the issues from death. If there's a verse in Psalm chapter 68 that just jumps off the pages to me, verse 19 is that verse. Bless the Lord. Thank the Lord that blesses us daily. And this is a call, it's a challenge to Thanksgiving, and we just enjoyed uh, the Thanksgiving holiday a week ago. We enjoyed a special time of praise and Thanksgiving uh, in our service where we just shared what we were thankful for. We heard things like, I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for uh, my job. I'm thankful to be uh, cancer-free. I'm thankful to be uh, pain-free. I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for that. And we went all around the room and we heard many things that we were thankful for. And I was sharing with some of our uh, students today in, in our, our Christian school that it's easy to be grateful for the big things, so to speak, that we're blessed with in life. And it would be safe to say that there's a very small percentage in the world of people that get big gifts, big blessings, big benefits every single day. I'd say that's a pretty small portion of people. For example, it's pretty easy to be grateful for a brand new iPad. Get that as a gift? Hey, brand new iPad, that's pretty awesome. Thank you so much. But it's not as easy to be thankful over a pair of tube socks. Alright, you get an iPad, you get a pair of tube socks. iPad wins every time on the thankful chart. But this verse isn't teaching us about the big blessings that God sends our way. Although He does send us big blessings. The Bible says He daily loadeth us with benefits. Every single day, He has a blessing to send your way. What are some of those benefits? Another day of life? Health? Breath? Meals? Our families? Friends? His mercies that are new every morning? I like this one. His forgiveness? That I can claim His forgiveness Every time I do wrong, what a benefit. Now, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? You know, God forbid. Right, we, we shouldn't sin so that we can get more grace. But I'm certainly thankful that when I mess up, I can get on my knees before God and say, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And every single time, He'll do that. That's a wonderful benefit that we get every single day. We get His love every day. We get His kindness every day. And it's these little things that are easy to take for granted. Things like His love, His kindness, His long-sufferingness, His mercy. 
Every little thing that He's provided for, He daily loadeth us with benefits. Verse 20. He that is our God is the God of salvation. The best benefit of all. That Christ has given His life so that we can have a home in heaven. That we are saved from our sins and we are saved from an eternity in hell. He that is our God is the God of salvation. It's a guarantee. 100%. He is the God of our salvation. And lastly tonight, God's power in the future. That's verses 21 through 35. And like we mentioned earlier, the psalm is prophetic. Like It looks back on Israel's wanderings. There's a challenge given uh, to be thankful for the blessings, the benefits that He's given us, a reminder that He is the God of salvation. But now it uh, shifts gears to being prophetic in nature. It prophesies all the way to the millennial reign of Jesus. In verses 21 through 23, if you read them, you kind of scratch your head a little bit. Uh, they're very graphic in what it depicts. Uh, basically, it says God, He's going to destroy His enemies and all those that escape, He's going to bring back to worship Him. And He describes the scene as blood everywhere and the same blood that's being walked through is going to be licked by the dogs. That's scary. But that's what it depicts. And as you study the, the end times and you study uh, all the battles that are going to take place, it's going to be a pretty, a pretty terrible time. But God will be on the throne. Verses 24 through 27 read, They have seen thy goings, O God, even the goings of my God, my King in the sanctuary. So in 24 through 27, they're explaining how worship is done or how it will be done. So as they head towards the temple in Jerusalem, and you know if they're heading towards the temple in Jerusalem, Christ is on the throne. In verse 29, says, because of thy temple at Jerusalem shall kings bring presents unto thee, unto thee. So the singers, they'll lead in worship. They'll be followed by the instrumentalists, followed by the timbrels, and then they'll be followed by the leaders of the tribes. And so that's how the worship procession will take place as they head towards the temple in Jerusalem. And the closing verses describe the Gentile nation submitting to Jehovah and worshiping Him as well. And recognizing that He is God. And that He is King of kings. And that He is Lord of lords. And it's important to know that until Jesus Christ returns and that until Jesus Christ rules and reigns in Jerusalem, we will not see real peace. But when Jesus rules, God will win and the world will bring their tribute to Him. The Gentile nations will join with Israel in singing praises to the Lord and proclaiming His power. Look with me at verses 31 and 32. It says, Princes shall come out of Egypt. Ethiopia shall uh, soon stretch out her hands unto God. Sing unto God, ye kingdoms of the earth. O sing praises unto the Lord. Selah. The psalm teaches why peace will be able to reign during this time. Number one, because worship will be absolute. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and He will be on His rightful throne as the King of kings and the Lord of lords and worship will be definite. But secondly, warfare will be abolished. 
The nations that were enemies with Israel, and it lists them here as a couple, Ethiopia and Egypt, the Bible says they will stretch out their arms in praise to the true king. You'll see real peace. In verse 32, all nations and kingdoms will sing the praises of God's goodness. Selah. Selah means, in, in musical terms, it, it's a rest or it's a break. But it means think on that. Sing unto God, ye kingdoms of the earth. Oh, sing praises unto the Lord. Think about that. I like that. You can put that at verse 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with His benefits, even the God of our salvation. Think about that. So all these nations are going to come together to sing of God's goodness. And what a choir that will be. I love hearing our international choir filled with the tongues of English, Spanish, Korean, Filipino, and Cambodian-speaking people. But imagine all the languages together with their voices lifted up to God. It's going to be amazing. In verse 33, the Lord shows Himself as ruler of heaven and earth. And Psalm closes in verses 34 and 35 with the mention of His excellency and His holiness. Ascribe ye strength unto God. His excellency is over Israel, and His strength is in the clouds. O God, Thou art terrible out of Thy holy places. The God of Israel is He that giveth strength and power unto His people. Blessed be God. So in conclusion tonight, this is a, a very large psalm with many great truths and reminders for us. One of those reminders is that we serve an all-powerful God. You see His power displayed in the past, in the present, and in the future to come. It teaches just like our, our ensemble opened up a few months ago. He's been faithful before, and He'll be faithful again. God, He meets every need for His children. He daily blesses us with benefits. And I, for one second, what the psalmist says. Our God is the God of salvation. Psalm 68, it, it just doesn't talk about the past, but it leaves us with something to look forward to. The millennial reign of Christ, where there's true peace on earth, when that will finally be experienced. A peace that hasn't been seen since before the fall of man. All nations will be gathered together Worshiping the one true King. No fighting. No wars. No bickering. No politics. Just Jesus. It's all it's about. Jesus. And I for one personally think that's going to be a pretty great time.